All right, let's turn our eyes upon Jesus as we go to John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where, you, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied, I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. This is the reading of God's word. Heavenly Father, please add your spirit to the reading of this word, that you would speak today into the lives of all who hear. In Jesus' name. Now, <clears throat> at this point in Jesus' ministry, he already has crosshairs on his back. Um, just in the previous chapter of John, it says that people in Jerusalem, right, so everyday Joes, know that he is the man that the religious authorities are seeking to kill, right? This is not, they're not like trying to hide this. Like everybody knows that this is the guy that they're trying to kill. And yet Jesus is regularly teaching in the temple. 
he is not at all being discreet. He was discreet at other points in his ministry, but now that has, he has left that behind and is very public with his ministry here. Today's passage follows the Feast of Booths, which is one of the religious festivals um, from the Torah. And at this festival, many people, it says many people believed in him. They were saying, this is the Christ, this is the Messiah. And this makes the Pharisees, the religious leaders, it makes them very angry. Nonetheless, Jesus continues to teach in the temple. And so here we are. This is, this is where this scene happens, in the temple, right near what they called the treasury. And this is where the financial offerings would be brought by everyday people, by you and me and our neighbors, right? We'd all bring our offerings. And Jesus is standing there teaching and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He uses this picture of light, something that everybody can understand. Um, as I asked the kids, right, they had some answers to the question, what does light do for us? Um, and maybe we should expand on that because it, it it does more than allow us to see, right? The sun gives us, what does the sun give us? Warmth. What else? Plenty, is that what you said? Vitamin D, yes. Something we can't, we can't make vitamin D ourselves, right? Something we can't acquire. It exposes flaws that need to be fixed, right? If your plumber is under your sink trying to figure out what pipes or what's going on with things, right? He can't just go under there in the dark. He has to have light to see what's wrong so that it can be fixed. Light is, is life-sustaining, right? In the, in the, at the top and the bottom of our planet where there are months where they go without light, right? There are certain types of plant life that just can't survive because there's not enough light. And like Janet said, vitamin D, right? Our bodies can't generate this. Jesus is saying, I am the light of life. I am the light of the world. I am life-sustaining. Just as light, sunlight, provides life to plants and vitamins our bodies. Jesus is the life and our vitamins for our soul. And it might seem like you're like, oh, okay, that's great. Yep. All right. Um, but it, it goes beyond that. Jesus is juxtaposing light and darkness. Um, and, and he puts these in utter contrast. Um, you can't, you know, choose to have your, you know, your light of life breakfast, go to work, and then on the way home from work, stop at Stop for a little, you know, a little taste of darkness um, before going to bed and doing it all over again in the morning. It's a contrast of choices because it's about the eternal direction of our souls. John Piper says it means the world has no other light but Jesus. If there is going to be a light for the world, it will be Jesus. So it's Jesus or darkness 
There is no third alternative, no other light. And Jesus presents us with a choice, light or darkness. How do you want to live your life? As we read on, it might seem like the teaching gets hijacked by the Pharisees because uh, light is not mentioned ever again in the passage. But Jesus turns this hijack into the ultimate destination because the objection that is raised, Jesus uses that objection to highlight what he was saying from the beginning. Throughout the rest of the passage, Jesus tells us just how it is that he is the light of the world. And I'm going to spoil it for you, okay? He's the light of the world because he is God. In verse 13, it says, The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And they're, they're trying to catch him. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to, to like find some really technical reasons why they can accuse him, arrest him, kill him perhaps, but certainly shut him up. Their objection, it continues from John 5, where Jesus says, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. Now, the understanding from the Old Testament law and the specific Greek words used here in, in chapter 5 is that Jesus is referring to the legal practice of one witness and one witness only being inadmissible in court. And so what the Pharisees do here in John 8 is they take this really technical and limited understanding of what Jesus is referring to, and they miss the point that Jesus is trying to make in chapter 5, and they also <laughs> miss the point that Jesus is trying to make in chapter 8. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, <clears throat> if I walked into, my, into a room and I introduced myself as Penn, like our very own little um, pen who we see all the time running around, right? Um, and some time, some later time on, um, I find you in a panic um, because you're looking for a writing Im implement to jot down the winning numbers to the lottery, and I say, oh, here's a pen. Um, and instead of thanking me and using the pen, you say, um, that cannot be a pen. You said you were pen, Clearly, you are not a writing implement, so now that you're changing your definitions of words, uh, nothing you say can be trusted. It's, it's simply absurd. <laughs> but Jesus uses this opportunity to highlight how it is that he is the light of the world, and he points to his relationship with God the Father. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Now, it's, hard, it's, it's a little hard for us reading this, but this moment is like a, a mic drop moment. Jesus just dropped the mic. 
In a more literal word-for-word translation, it reads, I am who testifies about myself. The he is added for us in English. And, and okay, so it's helpful for English grammar, but it, it, it obscures a little bit what Jesus is doing. Because here, the, the I am is the name that God claimed for himself in Exodus 3 at, when Moses is at the burning bush. So Jesus is invoking this covenant name. He is saying, I am God. I am the God of your fathers. I am the God who led your people out of slavery in Egypt. I am the God who created the the earth and made covenants with your fathers, with David, with Moses, with Abraham, with Noah, and with Adam. So our jaws should be on the floor. Jesus was everywhere recognized as a prophet. And what was a prophet, right? Well, Um, My study Bible says the English word for prophet comes from two Greek words, pro, which means before or in front of or in place of, and phamy, which means to speak. So a prophet, therefore, is someone who speaks in place of someone else. The someone else for all of Jewish history has been God, so it's some person who speaks in place of God. But Jesus is saying, I am not just speaking in the place of God, the God you know as I am. He's saying, I am. I am. Tim Keller uses the example of if you go to a lecture and the speaker is talking about principles of something and ends up saying, I am the ground of all being, I am the eternal creator of everything, I am the ultimate reality, I am the uncaused cause, I hold the universe together, and I will decide your eternal destiny. Keller points out, you will not leave and say, oh, what a great teacher, interesting stories, great, great insights for living. Um, Yeah, that, that would just be preposterous. C.S. Lewis says that Jesus is Lord or liar or lunatic. You can't, you can't have a sort of like, meh, meh, he's a good teacher. And as I was beginning to unpack this passage, this was the point at which I thought to myself in my uh, self-righteous splendor, I said, I was just thinking, you know, Just be done with them, Jesus. Like, off with their heads. But instead of listening to my fantastic peanut gallery commentary, Jesus continues and offers them grace without backing down from his identity. He says, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. Now, I I find it fascinating that they suppose that Jesus is maybe going to commit suicide, right? Like, whew, what a load off of their minds. Like, ah, 
if he'd just take care of it himself, like, we can go about our uh, political machinations and uh, controlling our money and our power, and whew, ah, that'd be a load off. But Jesus turns this idea on his head and tells them in no uncertain terms that you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am who I say I am. My study Bible points to passages in Proverbs and, Pro and, and throughout the prophets and concludes that in the Hebrew mindset, to die in one's sin, unrepented and unatoned, would be the ultimate disaster to befall a person. Jesus repeats in two verses, he repeats three times in two verses, you will die in your sins. And at the last time, he says, unless you believe that I am. Their response is, who are you? Now, I have to imagine that this was said with venom. This is, you know, this is not introductions after Sunday school over coffee. You know, oh, hi, I haven't met you. I'm Petra. Who are you? No, no, no. This is out for blood. This is like, I would like to get my hands around my throat and watch you die. Who do you think you are? So, it's incredible. It's just, it's incredible that Jesus claims these things about himself. He says these things about himself and is not immediately arrested. It's, it's so, like, mind-blowing that, that John gives us parenthetical statements about why. In verse 20, John inserts, no one seized him because his time had not yet come. John is pointing to yet another indication that the man, Jesus, is God. He says these things, and no one can visit the worst of human vengeance on him yet because it is not time. Jesus continues his ministry, teaching with compassion and love. What have I been telling you from the beginning? Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. Jesus is getting ready to drop an even bigger bomb than he already has. Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus here claims the prophetic name given to the Messiah, the Son of Man. This prophecy occurs in Daniel 7 and is one of the most obvious, like, hit-you-over-the-head, clear prophecies of the Messiah. And Jesus applies this prophecy to himself. Daniel says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. 
the Jews were looking for a Messiah that was worshipped, a Messiah that was an earthly king. And although the king of the universe showed up, they wanted nothing to do with him. They wanted him dead and gone because what he said was offensive to their pride and inconvenient for their political maneuvers. Though the hate and, and murder was oozing from their mouths at every words, they were not yet allowed to touch Jesus because the time had not come. Verse 30 says, while he was saying these things, many people believed in him. Jesus was not yet done speaking and saving, and sorry, seeking and saving the lost. And did you know that he still isn't done? The religious leaders eventually put Jesus in the grave, but it was part of God's plan. Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is even now seeking and saving the lost. Is that you? Do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? And if you do, are you living in it honestly? I don't just mean, you know, oh, I stay out of trouble, or I go to church on Sunday. Do you seek to become more and more like Jesus? Do you follow the example he sets here in this passage, speaking with kindness and compassion to those who are enemies? Jesus says that God is always with him in this passage, and do you know that God is with you? He has not left you alone. As Jesus says, he always seeks to do what pleases God the Father. Do you seek that? That one of, is, that, is that something that even is on your radar? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you came, that you became one of us. Thank you that you are the light of the world and that even though we live in the already but not yet, Lord, that, that you, we see that you have compassion. We pray that you would give us your light. You would give us your words. You would give us your compassion and love for the lost. And that we would seek to know who you are. We would seek to find you in your word every day. In Jesus' name, amen.